real quick, I, I want to debut a new segment today, Josh. And it doesn't have to be necessarily related to, to OU or even college football. Because I've, I realized something this week in that, you know, knowing all the incredible high school coverage that the ref has been committed to on krefsports.tv or, yeah, krefsports.tv. And you're traveling all over the place and youth football all over the country. I feel like we need to have an ultimate game ball that, like, you and I give out every single Monday. Where, and if, if it's sooner related, that's great, right? And, and maybe maybe it doesn't have anything to do with sports, with football in general. Maybe it's just, hey, ultimate game ball to that officer in the truck on Friday whenever we were leaving that was just turning his lights on to scare people and apparently wasn't pulling anyone over, right? That could be an ultimate game ball. But I've got an ultimate game ball that I want to I wanna throw out from this weekend. If you have one, feel free to jump in. But this has been something that has been really, really cool for me to watch, kind of up close, but mostly from afar. So, new segment, Ultimate Game Ball. Josh, I want to give an ultimate game ball to my man Chris Wilkerson, Joel, um, all the guys with the Washington Little League third grade football team who brought home a state championship with the win over Tuttle. Take that, Tuttle. You win the regular season matchup. We get you back in the championship game. Now, I'm not here to say that uh, eight-year-old Gwen Plank is part of the cheerleaders for the third grade world champion football team had anything to do with it, but it might have helped a little bit, a little bit. But, yeah, first time in four years that Warrior Little League has brought home a gold ball. Just a precursor, just a precursor, Josh, towards uh, before Cole Scott and the Warriors take home a gold ball in high school football. But ultimate game ball this weekend, baby. Wow. Let's go. A little foreshadowing, perhaps. Um. Do you want to give an ultimate game ball to Iowa for not making it miserable for you this week? Absolutely. Definitely. They might get two ultimate game balls for maybe three ultimate game balls for just not making a weekend of coverage miserable. <laughs> That's right. For doing something positive, we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I like this deep dive real quick before we get to the phones. 405-329-9000. After eight games, I know this. We'll hit ours coming up in about 15 minutes from now, and then you're going to hear from Brent Venables a little bit post-game. But I do like this from the 913. Horrible. Marvin dropped the first play of the game, which would have been called back. I, I said that. I guess you can call the long one in the end zone a drop, but it was well covered and contested. Would have been a highlight reel type catch. He was overthrown two times, and yes, he flat out dropped two balls. What you aren't talking about is he was doubled, tripled all day, which opened up our run and other receivers, and his blocking was on spot. There you go. I mean, I understand that, and I agree with you. But even with those couple of drops, I'm here to tell you, Marvin wasn't over on the sideline celebrating, right? This – and I even brought it up on the air. He had a big third down drop that would have extended a drive, and the first guy over there to build him up was Brent Venables, and I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome what he said. I thought it was awesome how he built him up. And 
it's again you're Marvin Mims is supposed to be to OU what Quentin Johnson Quentin Johnston is to TCU and what let's go historically right start going down the list dudes that when they get that opportunity make plays I don't know I'll take your word for it um I I haven't like I said gone back and, and witnessed how much he was double teamed and they made that concerted effort the week before against Kansas to get him the football but I mean, when you have a handful of drops, they show out. And when you're Marvin Mims, that's what seems to be talked about more than that blocking. You're right. That No one's talking about the touchdown being called back. Absolutely. But it's still a drop. It's still a play that, as an offensive coordinator, you look back on and the hold was there and it sucked, but, my gosh, that thing fell right in the breadbasket. It's it, it's it's a matter of perspective, I think, Josh. If you're looking at it in a defense of Marvin Mims, which is fine, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, then you might look more towards, well, this was wrong and this happened there, and that wouldn't have mattered. If you're looking at it from a position where you're wondering what's going on, then you have all kind of the, the weaponry you need. I, I, listen, I take things back to the Raiders a lot. If you want to blame Derek Carr, you got all the weaponry you need. But if you want to actually look at what's really going on, <laughs> it's more than just D-Car. And it's more than just what's going on at the quarterback position. Much more and much deeper. So, good point. Good take. Uh, to, the, to the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. That's our call-in line. Riverwind Casino, 405-329-9000. True Sooner is first up today. What's going on, True? How are you? You had the... You had to bring me down with the Raiders, didn't you? I don't like to even talk about it right now. It's just embarrassing. Oh, I, yeah. It came to score. came to get a safety. What Nothing. What happened I mean, yesterday? Josh, I'm glad you asked. Um, the Raiders are a bad football team. That's what happened, number one. But number two, I went back to 2013. I think that was Derek Carr's first year. Maybe it was – no, no, no. Derek Carr's first year was uh, – yeah, yeah, 2013. Derek Carr's first year. Every year of the Derek Carr era, they have a game or two like this where they they just don't look like they know how to play football. It happened twice it's last bad. year against Kansas City. They, uh, they got beat 43-6 to in Atlanta the year before. Casey did it again in 19, as did Minnesota. They got beat by Nick Mullins in San Francisco in 2018, 34-3. They lost 33. I mean, I could go down. I just I went through every game. They have a and game like this. That True, it just doesn't doesn't compute. doesn't make any sense. To bad teams, too. My son was yep. home in London. My, my son was stationed over there in London, I don't know what it was, five, six years ago. And they played Miami over there, a terrible Miami team, and lost like 43 to 7. That was the game that got Dennis Allen fired. That was 2014. Yeah. yeah. 14. And I hate to, you know, now let it be noted that you brought the Raiders up because everybody else on here will, you know, there's a lot of people on here that will get mad for bringing up something. You better watch football. your content today, True. Yeah. That's just what well, I'm I mean, saying. They'd, yeah. rather hear, they'd yeah. rather hear two hours about what color of underwear Peyton Bowen's wearing uh, than hear something else. But, but anyway. I was going to say one thing about OU is they have gotten better. Um, they have gotten better the last couple of, you know, games, obviously. And that's what Venables said he wanted them to do uh, was get better. And, you know, Texas 
and I know, you know, looking at them down the road, they, I mean, they've still got all their big games. I mean, they, they could very easily, what, lose three, four more games? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they still got, they still got Kansas State, TCU, Baylor. I mean, there's no guarantee Texas is on the flip side of any, and OU's trending up, they're trending down. Um, we'll see what happens. Two, hey, thanks, True. Appreciate the phone we'll call. We'll see you, man. Couple of, after the Kansas game, whenever Texas lost to Oklahoma State, we came in here on that Monday, maybe it was by Tuesday, Josh, and asked, I mean, who do you think is going to end up having a better record by the end of the year, Oklahoma and Texas? And now they literally sit with identical overall records at 5-3. and three. OU is a game back of them in conference, but Texas, Texas is somehow a point-and-a-half favorite against Kansas State this weekend in Manhattan. And they don't play well on the road. So I don't know. I don't know what to make. They had a bye week this past week, so maybe they got some things right, got some guys healed up. But Kansas State's kind of a juggernaut right now, Josh, and what they're doing in the league is really good. Yeah. I mean, and that looks like the number of the week where you're like, wait a second. I mean, do, what do, I, they lo- know? do I lock this thing, or how do these odds makers do this? What do they know? What do you know, Vegas? What do you know? Because based off what happened to Oklahoma State, I feel like K-State's going to win this game by three scores. Someone asked, uh, let's see, where was how bad is the quarterback at OSU hurt? Well, if you, if you go back to the TCU game, Spencer Sanders is who we're talking about. Because I, he didn't. They just took him out of the game because they were getting blown out on Saturday, right? There was did he? He didn't get knocked out of the game, did he? Not that I saw. No, he just yeah. game was out of hand. Yeah. So, so that's one of those kind of million dollar questions. Don't know. Don't know because you you rewind back to the TCU game. There were all those rumors that, hey, he might not play. He might not start. Well, then, you know, he throws for almost 400 yards and what runs for almost 50 against Texas, so it kind of quiets down a little bit. Maybe it was – maybe he had a good day where, you know, feeling healthy and feeling good. But, I I mean, he looked m- miserable on Saturday. Miserable. So did the whole OSU offense, right? I mean, he threw a pick – couldn't get the ground game going. I think he was sacked about two or three times, two times. There you go. But I'm just – I don't know. I will say this, Josh Helmer. I will say this. I think we set a record for Spider-Man memes that had the OU logo pointing at the OSU logo with losing to Texas 49-0, losing to Kansas State 48-0. I saw that a lot on my timeline. I saw a lot of – um, nothing is more frustrating for this state than losing 49-0 to your rival and then a picture of Mike Gundy, which said, hold my beer. Someone says he did get hurt late in that game. Okay. I'll double-check on that this morning. Up, upper body injury. Okay. I hadn't seen it. I just saw that Gunner came in late, and I didn't know if they just pulled him because it was bad. Yeah, he's been dealing with it all season. And if they're saying upper body injury, Josh, that to me, you can either be talking about a head – uh, and a concussion issue, or probably if they're saying upper body issue, I'm willing to bet that it's that shoulder again. And if there is anything that, if there is anything that from 
Mike Gundy's perspective, we learned that he's not going to talk about too terribly much. It's going to be injuries. And let me see. I'm watching the highlight of it now. Yeah. It was it was his throwing shoulder this time. So that might end up being something that would really – that would do for Oklahoma State what losing Dylan Gabriel did for Oklahoma. And they got beat 48-0 whenever he was able to play – Almost four quarters. Almost, right? Got knocked out early in the fourth. And Gunnar Gundy, I'm not 207 with a pick. I mean, it's unfair, right? It's his first time that he stepped out there uh, outside of the first game of the season when they were completely and totally in control. But, yeah, if it's a throwing shoulder, which is the opposite of the where the original perceived shoulder injury was, depending on who – I've never seen more mystery – around an injury than what clouded the Spencer Sanders injury before the TCU game, right? Because Gundy said what he said to TV, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 it's not his throwing shoulder. It's an upper body injury. It's, you know, it started to become very kind of convoluted. I know RA's all over it. Robert's been covering it like crazy. But now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, that was his throwing shoulder on Saturday. So there was less than 12 minutes to play. It was 41 zip. Some might question why he was in the game to begin with, but he had x-rays. We'll see if anything comes out of it today. I, I doubt that we'll get more on it. Um, <laughs> Mike Gundy before the game. We're not talking injuries after the game. Well, we couldn't anything going with our win because so many people were hurt. Rumor has it from the 405 that it's a broken collarbone. Oof. That's not good. That's not good going forward for Spencer Sanders. I like the rumor mill. By the time this show is over, the rumor will have it. It's like, I heard his arm fell off in the post game. Might not ever throw again. I mean, if it's a broken collarbone, he's done. He's done. There's no way he has any more eligibility left, right? Right? Well, I mean, broken collarbone. Get that medical red shirt. Who knows? Hey, again... Oklahoma State minus Spencer Sanders is equal to Oklahoma minus Dylan Gabriel. If not, maybe even a little bit worse when you add in all the injuries that Oklahoma State's already dealing with. It's got to be frustrating, Poke fans. Got to be. All right, um, quick break. When we come back, see, that's how pigeonhole-focused I became on the Texas A&M broadcast after the OU game, Josh. I'd completely missed how in-depth the injury was to Spencer Sanders. Indeed, and, you know, for whatever reason, with Kansas State up by 30-some-odd points, I didn't feel the need to uh, flip back over and watch K-State <laughs> Oklahoma State anymore. That, you know what I will say? I didn't, because I was driving, I didn't live on Twitter like I usually do on game day. But even afterwards, I didn't see a lot of buzz about it. And usually you'll catch, hey, so-and-so got hurt, left the game early. I didn't really see too much from it. Maybe a lot of people had tapped out like I did, too. If he's not playing, they're going to have to get very creative on offense. Very creative on offense. Um, Quick break. We'll come back and we'll hit some Britt Venables post-game as well as some other notes from around the Big 12, including an impressive performance on Saturday night from Baylor. It's all coming up right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. 
Right here on the home of Sooner fans. Do you think Mike Gundy will give an update on Spencer Sanders today, Josh? I hope not. I'll just save you guys all the time and concern. I'm not going to talk about injuries right now. Well, but, Coach, you uh, you told ABC everything. <laughs> I love Barry calling him on that. But, yeah, I uh, – you're in a tough – you're in a tough spot, period, with your backup quarterback. I mean, what you're seeing happen at Kansas State and TCU is the anomaly. It, it's just – and Max Duggan was a two-year starter who had lost the job to Chandler Morris. Kind of makes you wonder what would have happened if Morris never got hurt. Would TCU still be this if they had Chandler Morris out there and if Sonny Dykes and – Garrett Riley thought it was better. Could it be better than what TCU is doing? By the way, how about the backdoor cover in that game? Not a big gambling guy, you know. Can't do it. Legal issues. Not legal here. But holy smokes. I uh, I don't know if I've ever seen as bad of a beat, Josh, as that was in a game that was over based on what had just happened with uh, with West Virginia jumping off sides. So what what happened? What did I miss? Oh, okay. All right. West Virginia, TCU. Close game. Fun game. At least I I didn't get to watch it because they were playing the same time as the Sooners. But for some reason, they do something different at Iowa State where late in the game they don't have a lot of in-game things on the, the big screen. Like they don't have the hat battle where they're trying to figure out What's what's on what's in the box? We are trying to figure out what which hat the ping pong ball is under or something like that. But they have a uh, they just start showing other games on the big screen, right? So like we're in the middle of like timeout on the field, and all of a sudden you look up and TCU and West Virginia are they're basically on the big screen. So that's pretty cool. I thought it was. I don't know if many people would would have agreed with me, but and it seemed it seemed as if Josh. It was a very, it was a very pro West Virginia crowd. So, in, in other words, maybe they were booing a little bit against TCU. Maybe that's just the fact that they wanted to see TCU lose. Well, but right, TCU's undefeated. So it's it's fourth down and one. There's 20 seconds left in the game. It's. Uh, 34-31 TCU. They've got the ball at the West Virginia 29. So instead of kicking a long field goal, they decide we're going to go for it. Duggan's cadence draws West Virginia off sides. Play continues. He throws up a go ball for Quentin Johnston, who goes up. Or, or, I'm sorry, Savion Williams, who goes up and over the defensive back and scores a touchdown. I would have swore that it was Quentin Johnson, but the the play-by-play here has it as Savian Williams. So maybe I'm wrong. But, yeah, goes up, makes the catch, ball game, TCU not only wins, but then covers what was, I think it closed at like eight, maybe seven and a half. Maybe it was nine. But 41-31, they went on the go ball in the final play of the game. Yeah, that's that's a tough beat for Sorry. sure. They had won the game by the offsides, but they cement the cover with that they never had to throw. Like he could have taken the snap and just 
just knocked his uh, – just sat on a knee and won the game. I know a lot of uh, gamblers out there that were both very upset and then likewise very satisfied that Riley chucked one up. From the 918, have you guys noticed when TCU isn't able to knock out the starting quarterback early in a game, they aren't as dominant? Oklahoma State. I don't think they've been altogether dominant at all. I don't, I've been saying for a while that they don't look like a college football playoff team to me outside of the fact that they're unbeaten. Um, yeah. It, tomorrow night is going to be fascinating to see how the playoff committee views them, right? Is Are they going to be high on TCU because of the uh, the perceived challenge in the Big 12 and – you know, Oklahoma State, when they beat them, was a top-10 team. Um, Oklahoma, when they beat them, that was a ranked team. You know, they beat Kansas State, which was a, a, a ranked team. They've got an impressive laundry. Kansas was a ranked team when they beat them. You know, they, they've had an impressive resume. It's not the most jaw-dropping thing outside of maybe the OU game. But, yeah, I, they, they've kind of been living dangerously the last few weeks. Got away with it, too. Um. Clearwater sooner. Since the beginning of last season, Texas is one in five in conference road games. Lock K State and the points now. Listen, people, I'm not here to tell you that maybe I'm going to stop listening to everyone that tells me which game is a lock. Last two times I've done that were 0 for 2. And I do, I did have to laugh this morning. On uh, Twitter, I saw – let's see here. Let's, let's, I want to make sure I, I get the proper Twitter feed. But w- one of the gambling insiders that I, fall, uh, I follow, Brad Evans, was on the – let's see here. Here we go. For those demanding apologies from fantasy slash betting voices who made an errant prediction – Check yourself. The NFL, heck, any sport for that matter, is unpredictable. It's if explanations are backed with sound reasoning, don't be combative. Crap happens. Well, here's an idea. Quit trying to say that these things are guarantees and locks and there's no way that they're going to go wrong. Then people won't get PO'd. That's been my biggest thing this whole time with legalized gambling, Josh. Everyone to try to get to that next level is, oh, I guarantee this is going to happen. Or you can lock this. You can take it. This is sure-fired guaranteed. Well, people are putting real money on it. They're not just having to fly to Vegas to do something. So, yeah, no, no, I, I have no problem with you telling people they're idiots when they try to guarantee things to you in their predictions. Get, Be less soft. So, with that in mind, I'm done taking my locks. Though I am going to look very deeply into that one, Clearwater, sooner. <laughs> I got to get going here, Josh. I've kind of struggled at the Ref Royal Rumble. I think I'm, I think I don't think I've hit my lock or my upset in the last three weeks. It's pretty impressive. Meanwhile, the Steel Man surging on up that leaderboard. Look out! He's on fire right now. He's on fire. Two points uh, off the the lead after TJ decided he'd try and cough it up for a week. Um, from the 918, Sanders is playing at OSU until he reaches their punter's age, which is 32. Wouldn't that be something? Ladies and gentlemen, the Tom Brady of college football, not necessarily in, in championships, but in age. Here comes Spencer Sanders back out for his 18th year of eligibility. Van Wilder has nothing on him. 
there's never been a human being that has acquired more degrees in the history of college football, and somehow he'd be like eight and one. <laughs> and here comes that eight and one Oklahoma State Cowboy football team. <laughs> uh, and then this this was pretty good. I guess I've been living under a rock. I didn't realize Kiffin and Fisher despise each other so much. Kiffin said he was going as Jimbo the Joker for Halloween. Oh, now, that was something that could not escape my to-do list post-game on Saturday. Halloween right around the corner. What are we dressing up as? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Joker. Maybe Jimbo has a Joker outfit for me. Thanks, Coach. I don't know if there's beef there or if Lane is just trying to be funny, but... Yeah, I, what does that even mean? I tried calling him a clown, maybe. Isn't the yeah. Joker kind of a clown? Yeah, well, yeah, he's the clown prince. Just calling him a clown. Very kind way to call him a clown. <laughs> you know what would have been a great follow-up? Oh, so are we talking Jack Nicholson go uh, Joker? Are we talking... Uh, Oh, why do I want to say River Phoenix? Um, Joaquin Phoenix Joker? What kind of joke are we talking about here, Lane? Jared Leto Joker, <laughs> if you really want to be disrespectful. <laughs> Heath Ledger would be like, that's Heath, right. pretty, you know, uh, no, complimentary. Or, or is this a compliment? Is this like Heath Ledger Joker, your thoughts? I mean, yeah, there's there's multiple ways to interpret this. I mean, he could be calling Jimbo one of the great villains of our time. That is true. That is true. Um, I feel like I need to get back to to OU here real quick. Oh, I guess Jimbo called Kiffin a clown. Oh, in the did past. he? Uh, so that was his retort: is maybe he's got a Joker outfit I can wear. What? what? Jimbo Fisher really had the audacity to call Lane Kiffin a clown? What? Who does this guy think he is? Lane Kiffin has sort of cemented himself, hasn't he? I mean, it's not the same way, but Lane Kiffin's kind of regarded as like a national treasure, sort of like Mike Leach now, isn't he? The rift dates back to the Fisher-Saban feud in February. Um, Fisher then went after Saban, and Fisher included Lane Kiffin as he continued to take jabs at the Aggies. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, see, I got so caught up in remembering – that Jimbo Fisher was so mad at Nick Saban. That's right. He went after Lane Kiffin in the middle of that, too. Because Lane Kiffin had said, and I quote, we don't have the funding resources at some schools with these NIL deals. I like dealing – it's like dealing with salary caps. I joked I didn't know if Texas A&M occurred a luxury tax with how much they paid for their signing class. And that was what he was talking about when he said, and have coaches in our league say it, clown acts, irresponsible as hell. Like, who in the, who the heck does Jimbo Fisher think he is? Oh, Cole set him right up for that. Well done. And they lost again. And they lost again. <sighs> this is pretty good, this meme that got sent to us with Brent Venables on one half. Nobody could do worse than our Texas performance. Mike Gundy says, oh, hold my beer. Th- that's the one that I'd seen a thousand times on Twitter on Saturday. Yes, yes. All right, quick break, 1035. I, 
I got caught up in the Air Comfort Solutions text line because you guys have been rolling in with some good ones. We'll hit more when we come back with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. I'm out a little early today as we are during the football season on Mondays. I guess the good news is there's only, what, this Monday, the following Monday, and then what? The, the, the Monday after that, and then we're pretty much done with it. Yeah, the, I, I don't know if I would describe that as good. But, but then there's the bad thing. That's only four weeks left in the college football season. <sighs> we'll hit more of your text in Brent post game next right here on The Ref. I have found one way to get everyone riled up on the Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank have a few details incorrect on something, right? It's like, ah, I don't remember the, the Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin thing. Air Comfort Solutions text like, go back, look, what, 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 the, the Nick Saban thing, it was wrapped around, I called him a clown, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, okay. No, that's good. They're, they're here to help us out. I love it. You guys are dialed in. Was the Spencer Sanders injury, was it fresh? Yeah, 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 fourth quarter. <laughs> Did Was he uh... – he didn't leave that game with an injury, did he? I don't think so. I don't ah, think so. Ah, yeah, fourth quarter went down injury. It was like 40 zip whenever he left the you game. You guys are both those. You should quit. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You did. We, well, did. we haven't had that yet. Yeah, I mean, it's still very early. It's 1041, so there, there is time for that. There is a preparation element to it that doesn't look very good, but hey. No, I, I agree. I mean, I was sitting here. I've, I've been yesterday. I was dialed in. I did a national show last night. I felt like I had a pretty good handle on all things. Uh, college football, but obviously maybe I had too many sleeps since the Lane Kiffin, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban triangle of hate, and I guess I didn't fully grasp the severity of what Spencer Sanders had happened to him on I Saturday. blame my friends and family for not allowing me to sink completely into my work. Hey, how dare you force me to spend time with my kids, <laughs> Sarah? You know, it's like it really is a struggle sometimes. Yeah, I if if Sanders is is lost for the year, Oklahoma State's in big trouble, big trouble. If if he misses this weekend or next weekend, then they might be able to salvage something. But I saw a bold projection this morning from Brett McMurphy, who's still at Oklahoma State, going to the Alamo Bowl against USC, which. Boy, that would be interesting to see which way OU fans would go. I still believe that it's more likely that you would have an Alamo Bowl with OU versus USC than Oklahoma State versus USC. Well, yeah. Are you kidding me? The the TV draw of Oklahoma-USC? But I would also and, – and the ticket sales. You know, we didn't sell out the Alamo Bowl. Right? I mean, there were seats available. But I would say, Josh, that come, you know – Bowl season, if the Sooners continue on this path, get bowl eligible and, and win a few games, I mean, I'm not I'm not here to, like, exact revenge on USC. That doesn't matter to me. I would almost rather, rather go to Memphis than back to, to San Antonio. But there's a time and a place for that conversation. We're, we're not quite there yet, right? Are you kidding me? If Oklahoma – just follow this hypothetical. Okay. Oklahoma ends its season on what would be – a seven-game win streak, is that right? If they, they went out and then win their bowl game right. and said bowl game, victory is like a romp over USC. <laughs> I mean, the optimism will be back, right, in full force. Um, yeah, but 
like in, in in my world, I don't want that to be in the Alamo Bowl. Right? I, I don't want that to be the spot where you get your revenge on USC. No, I totally or, agree. Or let me be specific, Lincoln Riley. But the way things are going for USC, and unfortunately the way things went for OU, it might be a couple years down the road by that point. Lincoln Riley might be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys by the time we get there. Do you see? You, I saw. Speaking of USC here real quick before we get to some post game from Brent Venables. And I might be wrong. I know some people disagree with me. How about this stat from David Hale on Twitter? No relation, I don't think, to James. Might be his 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 brother, might be his son. I don't know. The ESPN guy? Yeah, at David Hale. Spelled the same way. Yeah, un, un, unrelated, I believe. All right, all right. USC has just one turnover this year. They're plus 16 in turnover margin. Opponents have turned the ball over in the red zone Five times, and USC has three one-possession wins. Yeah, well, that's a good indication of they are real close to falling off that cliff. Yeah. Have they, yes. They've turned the football over once. Once. That's, one time. That's an amazing statistic. One time. And and they've, they've, they've forced 17. Right. They're right toward the top of the country in that category. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Boy, that is, yeah, I mean, that's great that you're forcing turnovers, but it does sort of reek of this is this is just waiting to combust. This is not sustainable, is how David Hale finished that tweet from this weekend. It's not. How about for Oklahoma? Is what they did this weekend, is it sustainable? Well, the Sooners did have a good mindset and were the more physical team on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt, you know. Aggressiveness, physicality, and toughness, you know, you got to have that. Those things travel well. And um, our guys brought it and, again, had the right mindset. Starts with having just a, you know, mindset of a champion. Doesn't mean you're a champion. This means, like, this is what it takes. And if you don't have it right in the mind, first and foremost, you know, uh, you're not going to achieve that. So the guys have had the right mindset. And, again, I'm just, we're getting better. That's what I would say. And, you get better, you grow confidence, and you have a little bit of edge and swag through the work that you're doing, you know, by doing the hard over and over and over and over and over, doing the little things over and over and over, making him run all the way off the field in practice, making him run back if he doesn't do it, you know, not looking the other way with the little things. It's always about the little things. And, you know, so through all this, you know, where some people might say, well, whatever you're doing isn't working, that's one way to look at it, or you're faithful to your processes and how you – um, be successful at anything, you know, something that doesn't have anything to do with quote-unquote football. You know, it's just life, you know, life life lessons of, of being, you know, faithful to the little things. And that's what our guys have done. And so the improvement comes from how we've been practicing and, uh, and being more and more sure of ourselves. Guys just getting better, uh, more sure of themselves. So, with that, yeah. my, oh, 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 hold on, that's pretty good. I just screwed that up. My bad. Hold on, let me see if I can go back here a little bit. He'd asked about Billy Bowman getting out there today and kind of how he was. Like, yeah, it, it, it'll be a process, but it was good to see him out there. Now, what about the gamble on the fake field goal? Whoa. Um, it doesn't feel like a gamble. Um, obviously, these are very calculated decisions based on, you know, lots of film study and – Looking at what the opportunities either are or aren't there, you know, it's like with anything, you know, there's an opportunity to, to get out of it 
if you need to. And um, just the execution was, was terrific. You know, I think one of the best plays you can make in a situation where you have a, a fake alert on is, is getting out of it, uh, which we've done this year. And so, you know, but well executed. Again, we said all week, you know, in order to win this game, you got to play well. You don't have to play perfect, but you got to play well. And sometimes that just mean, means that you got to play complimentary football. When there's opportunities there, you you got to have the execution. It's got to be effort with execution, right? Effort with technique. Can't just be, oh, I'm charged up, ready to play and compete. You got to have some precision and some timing and some technique that goes along with it. And I'm just super proud of, of uh, you know, uh, the coaches and the players, you know, that were a part of that. There you go. That fake was so well executed. I mean, from the flip from Turk to Schmidt, that part, right, is – it was perfect. It was, you know, done exactly how it needed to be done. But that's no guarantee, right? All of a sudden you got somebody in Turk that doesn't handle the football – in that capacity a whole lot. Same thing for Schmidt. Uh, it's no guarantee that it's going to go swimmingly. It did. And then just, man, the way they caved that thing in, Schmidt was able to just walk right in untouched. It was so well called. And as Coach Venables talked about there, you know, if if you're not ultimately seeing what you want to see, then you got to get out of it. But obviously they stuck with it. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, it winds up the way the game played out. I mean, it was a huge, huge play in just the trajectory, the feel of the football game. Uh, Breaking news. With Saturday's game against Baylor listed as a 2 p.m. start time, FS1 will televise the OU West Virginia game on November 12th, and it will kick – at 11 a.m. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, again, that kind of sucks for me and my schedule, but I'll take that 11 a.m. start at West Virginia any day of the week. Return trip, it's uh, helpful, helpful in that nicer. capacity for sure. Much nicer. All right, we're doing a break. It's 10.50. When we come back, we'll get ready for our top five takeaways from Saturday. Here a little bit more. I got one more from Brent Venables on Eric Gray, and your texts have been fantastic. After eight games of Sooner football, I know this. This is the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the ref. Real quick before I get to but oh, You know what? We only got five minutes left in the yard. Let me get Brian in here before the top. Brian, welcome to the ref. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, Chris, I'll keep it pretty short. One, I'd like to encourage everybody, if they haven't, to go to the Hang Time page and uh, watch those videos by yeah. Michael Turk. He is, he is great. He's awesome. Great man. I hope him and Grace Lyons get married, have a bunch of kids, and <laughs> married forever. You know, I just I want the American dream for them so bad. Um, the other thing is, is um, softball, isn't the team supposed to play North Texas? Is that still going to happen? Um, I believe I believe so. It was scheduled to be this week when they were going to go down mm-hmm. there. I know they've had a couple of adjustments because of weather in the fall mm-hmm. schedule. Yeah, fall schedule. But you know what? I didn't hear much buzz about playing uh, about playing North Texas. I know they've got the game where they're coming back. What next Thursday? A week from Thursday when they're gonna um, when they're gonna play North Central Texas. But I don't, uh, I don't even see that North Texas trip on the schedule anymore. Okay. So they might not okay. be going down there. 
Okay, so if it's a home game, then there's a chance that Cinevision could could uh, televise that. Um, let me look here real quick. I don't have. I know I probably won't yeah. be on the call, but yeah, Cinevision right. is slated to to do that. That's November tenth, so it's a week from right. this Thursday. Is that right? So yeah, yeah. a week from right. this Thursday. Right, right. I'm just so looking forward to it. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what the progression with Starocco. She, she was great early, and then when she had to face sooner pitches, she wasn't so great. So I'm curious to see how she comes out uh, next spring, you know, you know against of, of other pitching that maybe doesn't know her quite as well. No, I agree. So, I agree, Brian. Thanks for the phone call. I think I would also I, add. I don't. I don't think she's quite 100. percent so that's why I wouldn't get too carried away with anything from the battle series right now. I think that um, I think she's going to get healthy this off season, and I think you're on to something. Uh, I did get it confirmed during this uh, this call that we are that that softball is not going down to North Texas to play. It was on the original schedule, but. As it was was put to me, maybe uh, maybe North Texas decided that might not be in their best interest, and for the Sooners, you know, short bus ride down I thirty five to play a team that you're probably going to play during the regular season might be better just to stay home and get you know one more game in. So Thursday, November tenth, and I wouldn't get too worried about Straco. I mean, that's <laughs> you're, you're facing the best of the best, and it's. It's hitters that you've seen consistently in practice, too. She's going to be a rock star. All right. Um, hour one in the book, or hour two in the books. When we come back, before Josh and Connor take over with the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line, my, my five big takeaways slash storylines slash angles slash however you want to perceive it from Saturday. It's next. 